You're now listening to the Tax Smart REI podcast. Your source for all things real estate, accounting, and tax. Here we reveal our secrets that can save you thousands in taxes, streamline your accounting process, and help grow your business. Stay tuned to hear insightful interviews with industry experts, successful real estate investors, and current clients on what strategies they use to grow their business and how they steer clear of Uncle Sam. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Tax Smart REI podcast. And in this episode, we're going to discuss a simple wealth building strategy on how you can build wealth using real estate. All right. Uh, before we dive right into that today, we do have a quick word from Landlord Studio. If you're a do-it-yourself landlord managing rental properties, Landlord Studio is made for you. The software helps landlords simplify income and expense tracking. With their easy-to-use app, you can digitize receipts, record income and expenses in real time, generate reports, and even manage leases and tenants. Plus, Landlord Studio makes late rental payments and bank visits a problem of the past with secure online rent collection. Get the rent paid directly to your bank account, and you can even automate rent reminder emails and late payment fees. Landlord Studio is also the best way to stay tax compliant. They offer a range of financial reports, including Schedule E and supplier expense reports designed for tax time. You can learn more about Landlord Studio and start your 14-day free trial at landlordstudio.com CPA and use the coupon code REALESTATECPA at checkout to get 25% off your plan. Again, that's landlordstudio.com CPA and use the code REALESTATECPA to get 25% off your plan today. All right, and we're back. So everybody knows that real estate's a really great way to build wealth. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably already discovered that. But what we're going to break down for you today is just a kind of little bit step-by-step kind of guide and what you need to do financially to prepare yourself to buy real estate and then what strategies you're going to want to use as you build your real estate portfolio. So uh, we're going to go ahead and kick that off. All right. First things first, right? You're going to need money for down payments. And I know if you watch those late night infomercials, they might tell you there's a million ways to buy real estate with no money down. And that is somewhat legitimate, right? There are ways to do that. But in our experience here with most of our clients, if not the majority, they usually have the capital for a down payment to buy the property first. They either have the money themselves that they that they accumulated, and we'll break that down in just a second, or they raise the money from others. The bottom line is very rarely are they buying property with no money down. So the first thing you can do to accumulate enough money to have uh, for a down payment on a property is by paying yourself first, right? So every time you get paid, whether you're a business owner or whether you have a, a job, you take a portion of your money, a percentage, maybe it's 10%, maybe it's 15%, or maybe you're really good and you get it up higher than that. And you put it away into like a savings account or you store it away for yourself somewhere, hopefully not under a mattress. Then from there, you just accumulate that money until you have enough for a down payment. Now, of course, uh, one thing you want to note here is when you are creating your budget, it can be very, very tempting to try to reduce your expenses down as low as possible in order to keep as much money as possible for that down payment. But what I want to just say there briefly is that you can only reduce your expenses so much. Eventually, eventually you're going to hit a point where you have to pay these expenses. You have housing, you have, you have utilities, you have maybe a gym membership, you have car payments, insurance, all of this other stuff you can't really get rid of, right? And nor does anybody really want to live so frugally that you feel like you're restricted in your life. So the point I'm trying to make here is that you can only reduce your expenses so much. And if you want to increase the amount of savings you have for your down payments, you're going to need to increase your income. 
And uh, there's a number of different ways you can do that. I don't know if we're going to get into that today, but you want to focus on increasing your income so that you can increase your savings rate and increase the amount of money you have for down payments. That is one way to accumulate the capital to start building wealth through real estate. Yeah. And and I mean, buying rental property is a way to increase income, right? And you, you mentioned that we don't see a whole lot of people that put 0% down, at least with our clients, but it is possible. You, you can acquire real estate with relatively little money out of pocket, especially if you get your real estate license or you're wholesaling or something, right? Because you can just credit a lot of this to the closing costs and reduce your out-of-pocket expense. So the point that Tom's trying to make, and I, and I, I want to talk about it just for a second, we see a lot of, I would say, new real estate investors focus very, very, very heavily on expense reduction. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. It's just that what Tom was kind of saying is that it's a scarcity mindset. And what that means is you're looking at your financial position, you're looking at wealth within a limited scope. The reality is that you probably have something, some skills, some experience, some story that you can leverage to create additional income streams relatively cheaply. So when I was at the big four, I I, I did time at PwC and Ernst & Young, I decided that I wanted to... I didn't want to wait around for 20 years to make partner to make 400K. I figured that I could uh, I, I could get there faster. And what I started doing is I built a side hustle where I worked an insane amount of hours between my big four job and my side hustle. My side hustle was starting up a CPA firm. It wasn't a it wasn't I wasn't competing with my group at the big four. It's completely separate type of business. But I started this side hustle. And I was able to create this additional income stream, which gave me spending flexibility, which allowed me to invest in real estate from a very young age. So that's what I would encourage everybody to kind of think about. Instead of... um, There's a balance, right? You should absolutely control your expenses. It doesn't make sense to be 25 years old, earning $80,000 a year and go out and buy an Audi or uh, a Land Rover, right? It doesn't make sense if you're a real estate agent and you absolutely crushed it in 2021 to go buy a Land Rover because you may not crush it in 2022. You may not crush it in 2023, right? So you need to preserve your capital, preserve your income streams. But diversifying your income streams, adding additional income streams is is a very smart way to accelerate your wealth building process. But two, just to de-risk any any macro event that you may not have control over. If you lose your job for whatever reason and you've diversified your income stream, it's not that big of a hit. Right. So Tom and I talk about this topic relatively frequently and um, you know, we're not, I'm not like a budgeting expert or a financial wealth planning expert by any means. I guess Tom kind of is now since he has a CFP. But, yeah. um, but I, I very much believe in the ability to create, to help other people. And if you think about impact and, you know, okay, I can impact five people, I can impact 10 people, but how can I impact 100 people? How can I impact 10,000 people? How can I impact? A hundred thousand people. If you can figure out the answers to those questions, you will make a significant amount of money in the process. So, 
if you really want to get into real estate, which which we recommend, obviously everybody does. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably already are there. If you don't have your first property, think about how to add income streams rather than cutting out my Starbucks coffee. Dude, go get your Starbucks coffee, man. Like If that's what makes you happy, if that's part of your day, go get the Starbucks coffee. Don't, don't cut the irrelevant expenses, the expenses that aren't actually going to significantly change your life, but but at the same time, defer gratification on the larger purchases. Don't buy the $2,000 TV when a $900 TV or a $700 TV does the exact same thing. You just don't need to make those types of purchases as you're trying to get your foot in the door and build that foundation. But once you start building that foundation, it's the same sort of thing. Like like I mean, I I almost fell victim to it, but did not in the early days of running the CPA firm. We started making a lot of money, uh, and, and we scaled really fast. And we started providing really profitable services. Uh, it, the services became better. Clients started enjoying it, so they stayed around longer. And all that just translated into a lot more money coming to me. And I had a choice: I could go out and buy the Audi or the Land Rover, and I could go out and buy the big house. Or I could kick that can down the road for a couple of years, save money and invest in real estate. And that's exactly what I did. I do now have a pretty nice house. I do actually have the Audi, but it took me a while. I didn't jump into that um, after my first significant earning year or even after my third significant earning year. It It was a couple of years before I finally said, all right, you know what? I'm going to enjoy the fruits of my labor a little bit now. So just make sure that you defer that gratification. You take that capital, you reinvest it, get it out of your bank account as quickly as you can. You know, <laughs> inflation is eating it away. Inflation is eating it away. Right. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Well. Well. I, I'm just kind of taking it from a perspective of like, if if it's out of sight, it's out of mind. If I see 200k set up my bank account, I'm gonna be like, oh yeah, I can afford this lavish trip or this golf membership yeah. or this nice car. But if I've like, if I get the two, if I get the money and I immediately reinvest it. Or I find a way to reinvest it, then I don't have anything to spend. Uh, that's what some of our clients do to uh, very successfully. Yeah, that's what Grant Cardone recommends. He says, "I go broke every single year." He goes, "I go, oh, broke, every, yeah, he goes, <laughs> cool. I go broke every single year because I don't want the money burning a hole in my pocket." I'm pretty yeah. sure that's exactly what he said. So, I definitely understand that sentiment too. You definitely got to get the money out. There's multiple good reasons not to let it sit around too long. Yeah. And to elaborate for the people that are already in real estate. So if you're already in real estate and you're like, all right, that was irrelevant because that's not, you know, I'm already there. It's still the same thing though. You know, like the game at that point, if you are sophisticated, uh, if you are an experienced investor, the game becomes adding income streams. How can I add as many income streams as possible? Every additional rental property I buy is another income stream. Every syndication that I invest in is another income stream. Every little startup that I produce is another income stream. If I do mentoring, coaching, courses, that's all an income stream too. So we want to be thinking about, you know, I'm not necessarily trying to hit it out of the park with any one income stream, but if I set up 10 to 20 income streams, one of them will probably be a home run for me, right? I mean, that's how VCs invest. They don't like put all their eggs into one basket. They, they spread the capital among a ton of startups. One of them crushes it and that's where they make all their money. So it's kind of like treating it the same way. Like, How can I add as many income streams as possible, as many as I can manage 
And maybe one of them really takes off for me. A hundred percent. And another quick way before we kind of move on with this podcast, another way you could generate a significant amount of capital to invest is build a business and then sell the business. And when you sell the business, you would hopefully have a, a relatively large windfall of cash that will fall into your lap. And then you're just off to the races from there. So just another way you, you could do that to accumulate that capital. But obviously that takes a lot more time and if you're not already kind of doing that, that might not be the most plausible way, but it is a way nonetheless. No, I, I would say it is it is a plausible way. Even if even if you are not a business owner today, like if you have a nice W-2 job, you can spin up a business. I mean, I mean, business ownership, don't get me wrong, is extremely difficult. <laughs> there's there's a lot of ups and downs, and the downs are very, very, very far down. So it's it's very stressful starting a business and and trying to do a good job and trying to manage everything. You have to be the janitor and the CEO all at the same time. But you don't have to like run a million dollar business and sell it for a million dollars. There's a whole like marketplace out there of these micro businesses that get sold or, or trade for a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand dollars all day long. So I mean, you could start something up. You could build a one to five hundred thousand dollar business within the span of one to two years, and then you could liquidate it and get this nice payout. So I don't want to like discourage people from jumping into business ownership because you can absolutely build and run a micro business. And those those one to 500k businesses, like you can do a lot of that yourself. Now the key is going to be systemization. That that's like on the other side of this, as a business owner, I don't want to buy a one to five hundred thousand dollar business unless it's either highly systematized or it's not dependent on the owner, meaning that we have key employees in place that are running it on a day-to-day basis because I know that when I buy the business, the owner's leaving or it's not it's going to be checked out. So I, I you know, t- take that into consideration. But it's totally doable. You can spin up these micro businesses. My wife, my wife essentially manages our entire household, uh, raises our two amazing, beautiful kids, and also runs a flower pressing business where she takes wedding bouquets and preserves them for brides. And it, she started the business, uh, I think, really went into it back in 2019. And it's been a really slow build, but this year uh, she could potentially clear six figures. So I mean, it's it's a significant it's a significant thing now. Um, but it just kind of started from her own little interest. She worked on it, worked on it, worked on it. Got featured by the news uh, about six months ago, and then that media circuit just kept feeding feeding itself, and so it's just blowing up. She was doing it consistently. She was doing it as an outlet. Then she decided I could make some money at this and. Then I was pressuring her because <laughs> being, being the business owner husband, I was like, well, you can do it this way, systematize all this. But the point is, is that you can be the busiest person in the world and still find time to create additional income streams to better your life, set yourself up financially later, and set your kids up financially later as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So there's how you could basically earn the money to invest in real estate. Those are some quick tips there. Now, we're going to jump into... Kind of for anybody who needs to recap on why real estate in the first place, maybe you don't know, maybe you're you're on the fence, or or maybe you just need a reminder, right? So there's a few reasons why real estate is one of the most lucrative assets for building wealth and also reducing tax. Okay. So the first one is appreciation, right? When you buy a piece of real estate, assuming you're buying it in a market that is a favorable market, a desirable market, and will continue to be a desirable market into the future, your property is likely to appreciate due to the fundamental supply and demand factors 
not to mention just inflation in general will generally push your property value up typically. And there might be some bumps in the roads as the years go in and out. But over time, real estate has historically proven over the long haul to appreciate is again, as long as you're in a desirable market. So you get appreciation. That's one of the benefits. Next is cash flow, right? Rent, rental income minus your expenses equals cash flow. That's money you could put into your pockets. Pocket, right? It's another stream of income, like Brendan was saying before. Each property you add is another stream of income. Next is the tax benefits. And we've talked about this ad nauseum here on the podcast, and you know the tax benefits of real estate at this point. But you know, just kind of recap it briefly is you know, one of the benefits really available to anybody who owns rental real estate is the ability to shelter your cash flow from tax, right? Uh, you can shelter your cash flow from tax through depreciation, right? So you might have $10,000 of rental income, just for example. And uh, you have, say, $6,000 of hard expenses. These are property management fees, repairs and maintenance, utilities, so on and so forth. These are money. This is money that leaves your bank account and goes to somebody else. But then you might have a depreciation expense of, say, $5,000. Well, guess what? Now you have a tax loss on paper, a paper loss of negative $1,000, so $1,000 loss, but you collected $4,000 of rental income in cash flow that goes into your pocket tax-free, at least for at least for now. And that's $4,000 you can use towards a down payment on another property or use to fund your, your rental business, whatever. To expand on the tax piece, obviously, we are the TaxSmart REI podcast. We talk about tons of different tax strategies. And we talk about the passive activity loss rules because you might be hearing this and you might be going, well, I can take, I get all these losses from my rental real estate, but I can't actually claim them today. That's because you you are subject or you're trapped in those passive activity loss rules. So go check out our prior episodes where we talk about real estate professional status, short-term rentals. Uh, and I believe we have uh, multiple episodes dedicated just to the passive activity loss rules as they are, because it'll really educate you on how to utilize those tax losses in the years that you claim them. But one thing that I want to uh, kind of talk about real quick related to the tax benefits, uh, because I get this question a lot. When you're investing in real estate and you have those tax losses and you're not able to claim them, you may think that you're not benefiting from investing in real estate. And when I say benefit, I mean, you, you may think that you're not capturing the tax benefits uh, because you can't use the losses associated with the rental real estate. And if you're a syndicator or if you're a fund owner, if you're an operator of a syndicate or a fund, listen to what I'm about to say, because you get a lot of investors that have the same the same questions as well. Well, if I can't utilize the losses, do I really get the tax benefits? The answer is yes, you still get the tax benefits. It's just not as optimal as it could be if you weren't subject to the passive activity loss rules. To emphasize what Tom's saying, or what Tom just said, if I have $10,000 in gross rental income and I have $6,000 in expenses, my net operating income is $4,000, right? But if I have $5,000 of depreciation expense, then my tax loss is $1,000. So even though I had $4,000 of net operating income, I also have a $1,000 tax loss that I report to the IRS. So the way that we can look at this is I received $4,000 tax-free, and I free very lightly. It's technically tax-deferred. But $4,000 hit my pocket today that I didn't pay tax on today because I'm telling the IRS I lost $1,000. So you still get the tax benefits by shielding that $4,000 
even if I can't use the $1,000 tax loss. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that is the tax benefit of rental real estate. It's really available to everybody, regardless of whether you're a real estate professional or not. So again, like Brandon said, go check out our previous episodes. If you do want to learn more about the tax benefits, we do have a ton of episodes on all of that. The next thing I want to touch on that makes real estate an ideal investment for building long-term wealth is leverage and principal paydown, right? For the most part, when most people are buying properties, they're putting a down payment down and then they're going to get a loan from the bank. And the first thing it does, the benefit of using leverages is that as the property appreciates, you're getting the full benefit of the property's value appreciating. So if the property appreciates, let's just say 10% for a nice easy number, you you own the property, it's you buy it for 500K and then it appreciates 10%. I think that's 550K you'll be at, right? Um, and you got all that appreciation but you did not put down the full money to get that appreciation. I mean, you didn't buy the house outright for 500K. You got the appreciation where you only put down a little bit less money, which is something very difficult to do with other assets. I mean, you could do it with stocks with a margin loan. The problem is with stocks, when you do it with a margin loan, stocks are marked to market every day. What I mean by that is every single day, your stocks have a value. Every second, really, your stocks have a value that the market's open. And if your stocks dip below a certain value, you may have a margin call and you could lose your shirt very easily. But the good news is with real estate, it's not marked to market every day. It's really not marked to market at all. So the point is you get your loan out on the property. As long as you're paying your mortgage, the bank's most likely not going to call your loan and you just get the benefit of the appreciation of it on this relatively small pool of uh, down payment money you put on. I don't have an example ready for you guys today. One day I will, and I will come back on the podcast and give you the example. The next thing I just want to throw down in there too, also has to do with leverage is principal pay down. So every single mortgage payment you make, a fraction of that mortgage payment is going to go towards paying down the principal of the loan. And as the principal of the loan is paid down, your equity in the property is growing. So your equity is growing through appreciation and your equity is growing through principal pay down. And the good news is with rental real estate, uh, your tenants are typically paying down your mortgage for you and thus increasing your equity. So between all of this, between the appreciation, principal pay down, you're able to increase your equity in the property for an eventual sale or refinance or HELOC where you could leverage against that. And we'll get into that in just a second. Uh, but you can also generate cash flow, tax deferred and tax favored cash flow through these assets. So if you're buying real estate in desirable markets around the country and the economics work out for you, it's really the ideal tool. It's no secret uh, to build long-term wealth. And it can be relatively passive or you can get really active with it if you really want to. There's a lot of different ways you can play this game. So it really makes the fantastic, fantastic, fantastic asset class for you. Now, I think what we want to get into now is a strategy to really turn, and you've heard this strategy before, it's, it's summertime here, it's not that cold, but you heard of the birth strategy. So uh, we're going to go through that in just a second on why that is so beneficial for you to uh, basically throw fire on this strategy here. So the BRRRR strategy is buy, rent, rehab, refinance, repeat. It's also it's the BRRRR strategy. And what this does is this allows you to buy a property and maybe it's an inexpensive property because it needs a lot of repairs and go in there and renovate the property, pushing the value of that property up. So now you're pushing the value of that property. You're forcing appreciation. This is not natural appreciation from just market forces. This is appreciation that you're going in there and you're improving the property, maybe up to market conditions to increase its value. And when you increase your its value, you're increasing the equity 
that you have in the property through appreciation, right? And then from there, you're able to go ahead and utilize the next step in that process, which is, well, you have to rent it out first, right? You have to stabilize the property. Uh, and then you could go back to the bank and you can refinance that property, pulling your cash out, pulling cash out of the property because you forced the value up. And you could take that money and you could buy more real estate. Now, you may have been familiar about this if, you, if you're if you in our Facebook group, uh, Tax Smart Investors. You could join that, by the way, uh, by going to www.facebook.com slash group slash Tax Smart Investors. You may have seen our post on the buy, borrow, die strategy, and this is kind of a similar concept here. You're pushing up the property's value. You're, take, you're tapping into that idle equity because if you didn't tap into it, it'd just sit there on your balance sheet doing nothing for you effectively. And you could take in that idle equity and uh, reinvest it into other assets, buy more real estate. Or you could go buy that Audi or the Ferrari or whatever it is you want to buy. You can do that. I wouldn't recommend that. And this is not financial advice. I'd probably say go invest it more, but you could do what you want with your money. The point is you're forcing this value up and you're pulling your equity out. And that gives you the ability to continue to build your wealth. Do you think that becomes harder to do in today's interest rate environment? I mean, I know that you know, refis are coming in. Uh, we've seen them all over the board between three, five and like five, five. And I mean, I mean, one, one piece of the Burr strategy and, and just refinancing in general after the last two years of run up of price appreciation is, you know, you can pull the equity out, but then the question becomes, what do you do with it? Right, right. You would have to reinvest it to really make good use of it in this particular strategy. Otherwise, you're making higher loan payments, paying higher interest rates now because interest rates have risen a little bit for no reason. So you're reducing your cash flow for no reason. You would have to reinvest it for really to make sense. Now, as for whether or not it's possible at this point, uh, I've spoken to a lot of real estate investors. We had Marco Santarelli, uh, you know, Taylor, who's part of our firm, he does invest in real estate, say that interest rates are still relatively low. And as long as the numbers still work out, on a deal, then you should acquire it effectively, if, assuming all the other investment parameters are met there, right? Um, but what I think we're probably going to have now is a bit of a lag, right? Because we're going to have all these people locked into long-term leases and uh, interest rates are rising. So if you went and maybe tried to refi today, you might be putting yourself in a bad cash flow position because rents have not quite caught up to where the market currently is today in terms of interest rates. So that might take a year or two, depending on how you run your business and depending on you know, the, the length of leases you have that are active, that could, that could impact your ability to achieve this today. But you know, the beautiful thing about the cash out refinances or a HELOC is that you can pull equity out of a home, out of a rental property without actually paying taxes on what you're pulling out because a refinance, getting debt is not a taxable event. You didn't sell the property, you just restructured the debt and that's not taxable. So you can pull money out of a property, you can pull equity out of a property through a refinance, and then you can go and reinvest that property and buy or reinvest that cash and buy another property. And, and that's how you just snowball this thing. You know, like right. I remember when when I had a really I remember when I had my first three in a property and I was learning about all this and I couldn't wait to do a refinance. Well, it takes a long time. You know, I, I wasn't forcing appreciation by any means. It was just, I was just kind of sitting there waiting for the market to increase. So it took a long time for me to actually get to a point where I could refinance it. But once that happens, and as you learn more about how the process works and, and how to force that appreciation, everything starts moving a lot faster. So, so don't like, I guess don't don't have the FOMO. Don't make bad decisions. Don't try to force things. At the beginning, it happens relatively slowly. But as you 
continue to follow this methodology of pull cash out, reinvest it, pull cash out, reinvest it, eventually you're going to have this massive snowball where that's what you're doing every single month. You're pulling cash out and reinvesting it. Uh, and that's when you start really generating pretty significant wealth and significant cash flow. So it, it'll come, you get into the game, it'll be slow at first, you'll learn about all these strategies, and then you'll get your hand at trying them. And for some, it happens faster. It just kind of, you know, I had a full time job. I was also trying to run the CPA firm. I didn't have time to go enforce appreciation on a three unit. Whereas if somebody, somebody else has a part time job and they've got a three unit property, they may be able to go enforce the appreciation real quick. So everybody's on a different path, a different timeline. But what I've loved about my own portfolio is that you can see that snowball effect and it starts to get bigger and things start happening faster. You start acquiring deals faster. You start refinancing faster. Everything starts snowballing. So it will come, but you just keep acquiring assets. You continue to build that portfolio. The tax losses get larger. You shelter more and more cash flow from tax. You 1031 exchange so that you never pay tax on the actual liquidation. And you can really build out a portfolio, a massive portfolio or a significant portfolio that you've paid very, very little tax on in your wealth building journey. Absolutely. You got to love the power of compounding, right? You just got to keep going. And eventually, eventually you'll get there. If you stick in it long enough, you, you, you make the right decisions, you'll eventually get there. Uh, kind of the last thing I want to mention here, um, at least on my end, as it relates to this strategy overall, is kind of, let me just recap where we are, right? So you're making money, you're learning, learning how to increase your income, you're paying yourself first, you're saving more money because you're increasing your income, and you're going to invest that money into real estate. Or maybe you sell a business and you have money for a down payment. Then you buy real estate because real estate's, for all the reasons we just mentioned, one of the most lucrative assets for building wealth. Um, and if you, if you can, you have the time, you can apply a strategy like the Burr strategy to force appreciation, continue to increase the value of your properties, and pull equity out and use that to reinvest. Something else we want to mention, we did touch on this already is the tax benefits. You can also take tax savings, right? So if you can use the short-term rental strategy, which again, we have an entire series dedicated to the short-term rental strategy, which just long story short, allows you to take losses from your short-term rental properties and use them to reduce your taxable income effectively on your active income in a roundabout way, basically. Is what, that's what I'm trying to say here. And then you could take the tax savings from that and you can reinvest that as well. So that's an option. And if you're a real estate professional and you have long-term rentals, the same rule applies. It's the same thing. You can take that losses from your long-term rentals and use it to offset your active income or your spouse's active income. And you can take that money and go reinvest and just kind of rinse and repeat this process. And all this, everything we just said here is what makes this real estate asset class so great because there's no really other asset class out there that offers all the benefits that this asset class does uh, to you. I mean, like I said, you can go leverage your stocks, but you have margin calls. You can go build a business and leverage that business, but uh, it's not as easy to get leverage on these other assets as it is real estate. It's very common to have real estate collateralized by debt. Banks know the game. You have commercial lending, you have conventional Fannie and Freddie lending. It makes it really easy to play in this space as long as you have the down payment to play or you can raise the money or however you want to go about that. So the last thing is we're doing now four monthly live Q&As in our TaxSmart Insiders group. So if you do have questions and you do want 
to seek guidance from the experts. Our team will be conducting these four live Q&As each week. I will be hosting them. So if you have questions, you can join me for these live Q&As by going to www.taxsmartinvestors.com and signing up for your $1 trial. You'll get a 14-day trial for just $1. Now, don't worry about the dollar. It's really not that much to lose. Next year, it will only be worth $0.92. Cents. So go ahead, put the dollar down try the 14-day free trial, join one of our live Q&As, get your tax-related questions, and we're happy to help. That's what we're there for. So again, taxsmartinvestors.com, you get a $1 14-day trial to our Tax Smart Investors platform, and you can get access to live Q&As, post your questions in the forum, and do a whole bunch of other cool things. So that's all for today. Until next episode of Tax Smart REI. Thanks for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed the show, please find us on iTunes and leave us a review. You can also email us at contact at therealestatecpa.com with any feedback or topic suggestions. We are always taking on new clients and with the new tax laws in play, you really don't want to navigate this alone. Let us help you save money on taxes with your accounting and CFO needs. To become a client, navigate to our client page at therealestatecpa.com and fill out a web form with as much detail about your situation as possible. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great rest of your week.